Well, welcome to Newport Church Online. We're so glad that you could join us today, whether you're joining us in Orange County or in another part of the US or in another country, we're so glad that you could be with us. We wanna welcome you today. And I pray that today God would cause faith to rise in your heart as we worship God, as we get into his word, and that out of today's time, when we focus on God, that God will continue to do great things in your life and help you and enable all of us to go from strength to strength. Let's open our hearts as we worship God in these coming moments. Good morning, Newport Church. Happy Sunday. I hope you had a great last week. And as we worship God together, I want to remind you that He is so close and near to us and that we just have to be ourselves before Him. And He takes us as we are. He receives us as we are. So let's rest and sit in that grace, in his peace, as we worship him. Amen. Let's sing this together. Hold me now. Hold me now in the hands that created the heavens. Find me now where your grace runs deep as your scars you pulled me from the clay you set me on a rock you called me by your name made my heart whole again lift it up and my knees know it's all for your glory that I might stand with more reasons to sing than to fear. You pulled me from the clay. You set me on the rock. You called me by your name. Made my heart whole again. Here I stand. you love my whole heart through sin has no hold on me cause your grace holds me now and that grace owns the ground where the grave did where all my shame remains left for dead in your Surrender 
again here I stand high in surrender and I encourage you to truly sing from your heart with the faith that you have in Christ to say Lord I surrender I surrender myself to you once again and again and again and again hallelujah
dream The evidence of things unseen Even the darkest days are Even the dark. 
Father God, we thank you for your presence. Thank you that where two or more are gathered, you're there, present through the power of your spirit. Thank you, Lord, that wherever you are present, you bring your peace, you bring hope, you bring faith. I pray, Lord, that wherever people are, that you would meet people at their point of need. We know, Lord, where where people are sick, that you're the God who heals us. You're a miracle worker. Where there's lack, you're a God who brings provision. There is no situation that is beyond the scope of your power or your ability to to transform and to change. And so we open up our hearts and spirits, Lord, and I pray that wherever people are, you would act and meet people at their point of need. We give you all of the praise. We give you all of the glory. And we are expectant of the good reports that are going to come of all that you have done In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. Well, I pray that you've been encouraged by our time of worship. God's faithful. Let's never forget that whatever we're going through, God's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ever ask or imagine. I wanna take a few minutes before uh, we continue with this service to talk about our giving, our giving of our donations, our tithes and our offerings. And first of all, I want to thank you all for your faithfulness in giving. Thank you for all that you are doing because without you, we would not be able to continue to fulfill all of the responsibilities that we have and enable us to not only through our own own church community, but out beyond, out into the community where we're able to provide food and able to help people that are navigating uh, a tough and difficult time. So your giving is very important. If you are watching online, maybe from another location, if you do not have a church and you want to donate or you want to uh, uh, partner with us in what we're doing, feel free to give. Also, we appreciate your participation and the fact that you are helping us to continue to do what we're doing with our service online, but also in the community. So thank you for that. I'm gonna be speaking today about steps of faith and giving is a step of faith. And I wanna encourage you, if you've never, if you are fearful or worried about finance, one of the greatest ways to break that in your life is, is through the pattern that God gives us in his word for generosity and giving. And as we give and as we bring donations, our tithes into God's house, God promises he'll open the windows of heaven. God promises he'll multiply the seed we've sown. In other words, God says, I'm not gonna leave you to your own devices, I'm gonna partner with you. And so I encourage you, wherever you're at in your journey of giving, whether it's just occasionally to take the step to maybe 
so that your giving is more is regular whether maybe you are giving donations and you're saying i want to take a step of faith to bring the tithe in the on the screen there's a card that says give god 90 days you can, it's the only place in the bible god says test me take the step and test me and see if i won't open the windows of heaven and the 90 percent you're left with will go further than the 100 percent if you hold on to it it's a supernatural principle and it's worked for thousands of years because it's a God principle. And then offerings over and above our tithes. Whatever you do, I know that God will show himself to be faithful in your life. So let's pray and let's believe God that we can continue to grow and do all that God's called us to do. Heavenly Father, I thank you for, for uh all that you bring and all that you give to our lives. Thank you, Lord, that everything we have comes from you and we're only giving back to you what you have given to us. As we give, may what we give change people's lives, not just for time, but for eternity. May people's lives be transformed through the message that is in our online service, through all that we do in the community, through all that we do as a church family. Bless those who give and may your hand be upon each and every one of them. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Sunday. I often talk about my kids because I love my family and uh, today I want to actually talk about our two youngest and they are Winston and Coda, our English cream golden retrievers. The most beautiful dogs on planet earth. But you know when they arrived to us as cute little puppies, Winston, oh my goodness, so cute and so innocent. Coda, so mushy faced and so like a little baby. Well, when they got home, guess what happened? They had to be trained. And when I think about if we don't train our pets, what a nightmare they can become to our life. Funny for some, but awful for those that live with untrained pets. And the same could be said too for kids, that we need to make sure that we are training our kids. And even in these uncertain times, like there is so much uncertainty, is school gonna go back? Is school not going to go back? But now is the time for us to actually become parents and spiritual parents and say, let's use this opportunity to train up the kids, the next generation. You know, Winston, when he was a puppy, he was so cute, but he had two things that he needed to be trained out of. One was uh, he loved to chew glasses and he chewed his way through three pairs of Bose Ray-Bans, two with sunglasses, one were reading glasses. And the other thing he loved to chew was books, including Bo's Bible in a year. So Winston no longer chews because we trained him. And then Coda, our newest little one, he's not even a year old. What does he love to do? He loves to chew garden plants and roses and anything that's kind of outdoorish. We call him the mountain man dog. 
and he also loves to chew towels. I'm like, they're so different. And same can be said for our kids. Our kids are different. The next generation is different. They're not just different between each other as individuals, but they're different from our generation who has gone previously. This is what the Bible says, Proverbs 22, 6. I'm going to read from the New King James Version. I borrowed Pastor Jonathan's special Bible. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. The amazing thing about that is we can be rest assured that when we as parents or spiritual parents or mentors or just people looking out for the next generation, our job is to train the next generation up in the ways of God. No fear, faith, loving the Word of God, being obedient to the Word of God. You know, uh, spiritual maturity is not about how long you've been going to church. It's actually about how long you have known and obeyed God and His Word. So training is an essential part, not just of us being able to train the next generation, but us continuing as grown-ups to want to know how to be trained for the Lord, for His work. And I want to read to you right now from Psalm 18, 33 to 35, New Living Translation. This is what the Bible says. He, Father God, makes me as sure-footed as a deer, enabling me to stand on mountain heights. He trains my hands for battle. He strengthens my arm to draw a bronze bow. You have given me your shield of victory. Your right hand supports me. Your help has made me great. You know, training for us is an ongoing process. As we love God and as we love His Word and we are obedient, because in this season, we've never been here before. And so we need to know how Father God, by His Holy Spirit, wants to instruct us and train us to be the best that we can be to bring the good news to our community. So I just wanna say, you know, training doesn't mean we don't make mistakes. And here's a little picture of Winston after he was trained with a very big face full of mud, because he had a moment digging in the garden when he knew he shouldn't have. But do we love him less? Absolutely not. Do we think he was super cute? Yeah, he was cute. Did he get in trouble? Absolutely. <laughs> Did we clean him up? Yes. And as an example, that's how Father God feels about us. He wants to train us so that we can be our best. It doesn't mean we've got to be perfect. It also means that when we make mistakes, he is not frowning on us. He's not mad with us. Will he correct us? Well, I hope so, because we want to be corrected when we're wrong, right? <laughs> training means, training simply means that when we find out something's wrong, that we want to make it right. So all that to say, in this season, let's be assured of God looking out for us Let's be aware of things we need to be trained in and let's be dedicated and focused on making sure that we are training up the next generation to love God, to love His Word and to not live in fear, but to live in faith. I love you. God bless you. Have the most amazing Sunday. Well, this morning I want to continue with 
the third part in our series, We've Never Been This Way Before. And before we go to our key scripture, I wanna take a moment to look at the context. The context of this story is the children of Israel who've been 400 years in Egypt in slavery and miraculously delivered um, from Egypt through the Exodus uh, have been in the wilderness for 40 years. And now finally, here they are, a new generation that was born in the wilderness uh, here on the shores of the River Jordan about to enter the promised land. And this is what we read in the book of Joshua. Joshua chapter three, verse one. Early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim and went to the Jordan where they camped before crossing over. After three days, the officers went throughout the camp giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priests carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go since you have never been this way before. They had never been this way before. And as we look at this story and as we look at uh, the, this passage of scripture and the events that have taken place, there are three things that stand out. And those three things in a sense are summed up in a verse in Deuteronomy and the message version of the Bible frames it so well, it says, uh, so now Israel, what do you think God expects from you? Just this, live in his presence in holy reverence, follow the road he sets out for you, love him, serve your God with everything you have in you, obey the commandments and regulations of God that I'm commanding you today, live a good life. As we look at this story of the nation of Israel going where they'd never been before, there are three things that were key to their success. The first thing was God's presence was to be their home. The verse there said, live in his presence in holy reverence. In other words, God's presence was to surround them. God's, God's presence was to be central to them as a people. God's presence was to be their home and to fill their homes. Secondly, God's word was to be their roadmap. When follow the road he sets out for you, obey the commandments and regulations of God that I'm commanding you today. God's word was their roadmap and God's word is our roadmap. And then the third thing was they needed to take significant steps of faith Faith was the key to the promises of God. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 7 says, for we walk by faith, not by sight. So three things, if we're going to be successful, going where we've never been before, and we've never been this way before. Not only does that apply to us, I guess, every day of our lives, but it applies especially to us at this particular time in this unprecedented, uncertain season that we're all navigating. Three things, number one, if we can make God's presence our home, our focus, central to everything we do, if God's word is our roadmap, and if we understand that faith is the key to possessing the promises of God, we will be successful as God promised Joshua that he would be.
So today, the title of my message, in a sense, is Steps of Faith. If the people of God were going to be successful, they needed to take significant steps of faith, steps of faith that they had never taken before. For example, they'd been in slavery for 400 years. They'd been in the wilderness for 40 years, wandering in the wilderness. God had provided for them. He'd provided manna from heaven. He'd provided quails for them to eat. He had fought their battles for them. And now all of a sudden, all of that was going to change. And it's interesting in the book of Deuteronomy in chapter one, verse 31, we read uh, God speaking about their time in the wilderness. He said, there in the wilderness, you saw how the Lord carried you as a father carries his son all the way you went until you reached this place. God's saying and reminding them, hey, I want you to remember that when you were in the wilderness, I was carrying you the whole way. And significantly, God says to them, I'm not going to carry you anymore. From now on, all the ground that you take, I, you're going to have to place your own feet on the land that you want to possess. I'm going to be with you. I will never fail you or forsake you, but you need to step into the promise. You're not going to possess this promise with me carrying you, but wherever you set foot, that land will be yours. As he said to Joshua, I will give you every place where you set your foot as I promised Moses. God's saying it's time for you to walk yourselves. It's time for you to take steps of faith if you're going to enter my promises and go where you've never been before. So you can go where you've never been before. So you can grow like you've never grown before. So you can possess promises you've never possessed before. So that you can experience what you've never experienced before. It's time for you to walk for yourselves. As a dad, I, I've lost count of the number of times that I put one of my children on my shoulders and carried them. Um, sometimes for long periods of time. And I've had all sorts of experience where they've been eating while they've been on my shoulders and sometimes ice cream that will fall down on my head. But as a dad, it's one of the great privileges of being a dad that we can put our kids onto our shoulders and we can carry them. It's one of the great joys of fatherhood. And of course, as a child, it's a great experience. But there's a time when our kids say to us, carry me, carry me. And we have to say to them, I can't carry you anymore. You're too big. You've passed that stage in your life. You're going to have to walk for yourselves. <laughs> Maybe you're saying you're a teenager. I can't carry you anymore. But there's something in all of us that wants to be carried. Uh, whether it's on our dad's shoulders as kids, uh, whether it's being carried by our parents, maybe in our teen years or our tween years or uh, the early years when we're getting established uh, in our own lives. People who want to be carried by the government, uh, maybe being carried by 
the momentum that others have created by being carried onto ground that others have broken, being carried by a vision that others have paid the price to birth. So there's a part of our human nature that wants to be carried. But God's saying, it's not good for you, for me to keep carrying you. If you're going to grow into who you need to be, if you're going to grow into the people of God, if you're going to make the difference in your world that you need to make and I created to you to make, you have to stop wanting to be carried, now you're gonna have to step into those promises yourselves. You're gonna have to take that ground. You're gonna have to walk for yourself. If we wanna go where we've never been before, we need to stop looking to being carried, but rather to taking steps of faith into our God-given purpose and destiny. Whenever God's people have stepped into something new or some new season or some significant time, it's always required God's people taking steps of faith where they've never been before. I think about, uh, about Paul, the apostle. In the very early churches of uh, days of the early church, when there was so much controversy about the church, whether it was just for Jewish people or whether it was for Gentiles, and the realization came that the gospel was for all people. And Paul, probably more than anyone else, had to help, along with Peter, navigate that. What did that mean for people who were Gentiles? What customs should they obey? What laws should they obey? And as Paul was talking about it to the Roman church, he he was saying this, you who were not God's people and now are, need to walk in the steps of the faith of our father Abraham. In other words, navigating this new territory where the church was gonna look so different, where the church, the message of the gospel was being taken around the world, they were gonna to have to start to take steps of faith like Abraham did Abraham went to a country, he didn't know where he was going, he just took those steps of faith. And in a sense, Paul is saying, hey, that's what we're gonna have to do to step into everything that God has for us. So I wanna talk about three essential truths that we need to understand as we look at this subject. The first of these is that every new promise that God has for us is not found where we have been, but where we've never been before. This is not talking about geographically. It's talking about spiritually going where we've never been before. Of course, for the Israelites moving into Canaan and in the promised land, this was geographical, but this was a type. This was an example. This was a principle that wasn't just for them, but for every one of us to learn. It was about us spiritually understanding that in order for us to take new ground, we're gonna, have to, uh, we're gonna have to go where we've never been before, and it's gonna require us not to necessarily like the Israelites to move geographically, but for us to move spiritually. I'm gonna say that again, for us to move spiritually, that the spiritual movement in our life, the spiritual growth into our life into all that God has for us. God doesn't want to just be the God of our yesterday. He wants to be the God of our today, 
and the God of our tomorrow. And in other words, what we're saying and what we're looking at here and what God is saying to us is that the very essence of our faith requires us to be continually moving, to be continually taking new, new ground. When we pray the Lord's Prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, it's talking about spiritual movement. It's talking about taking new ground spiritually for the kingdom. And our faith is a dynamic faith. It's, it's not a static faith. Um, faith is like swimming upstream in a river. And when if you're swimming upstream in a river, you can't stop swimming because if you do stop swimming and the current is sufficiently strong, you're going to start to drift backwards. There is no such thing as a follower of Christ uh, as being static. To be a follower of Christ means to be dynamic in our faith, to be dynamic in our approach to life, um, always moving forward. And the river of God is not like a lazy river where we sit in an inflatable uh, tire or an inflatable tube and drift along. It's a river that requires us to swim against the current of the shifting culture of the world in which we live in. So there's movement required, moving forward. And in the, in the tide of the current environment in which we live, it's so important that we're not just swept along with the tide of, of maybe unbelief or fear or, or uncertainty or divisiveness or uh, 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 all that's taking place in our world that we are, we are swimming against the tide and we're moving forward with a sense of faith that the promise of God lies not drifting backwards, but moving forward into his promise for our lives. Are we just going with the flow of what's taking place? And I think about the nation of Israel who are on the shores of the Jordan River and they had just spent 40 years wandering around in circles in the wilderness. God says, you, and a whole new generation was born in the wilderness. God said, I can't take you into the promise that I have for you if you're satisfied or content to just go around in circles uh, again and again, doing the same things, staying where you are, just passively going with the flow. No, God's promise to his people is to those who have a sense of faith, who have a sense of knowing that the promise that God has for their future lies by moving forward, taking new ground and stepping into all that God wants to do in our lives. The second thing is that every promise must be possessed by faith. Joshua 1 and verse 5, God says to Joshua, no man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. God said very clearly to Joshua and the Israelites, I'm not going to carry you anymore, but I want you to know I'm going to be with you every single step of the way. And that's what God would say to us is, I'm not, I don't want to carry you, but I want you to know I'm going to be with you every step of the way as you take steps of faith into your God-given purpose and destiny. It's going to require faith. God said the same thing to Abraham. 
when Abraham came into the land, God said to him, Genesis 13, 7, go walk through the length and the breadth of the land for I'm giving it to you. In other words, God said, I'm only going to give you what you walk in. That's why God said, walk the length and the breadth. Walk throughout the length and the breadth of it and establish that you are going to possess the promise of God because I can only give you what you possess by faith. It's so easy for us maybe to try to ride on the faith of others. As a child, I didn't grow up in a Christian home, but uh, I had a personal revelation of Jesus Christ. But I know that uh, for young people who are born in Christian homes, it's very easy to be carried along by the faith of your parents. But God wants each and every one of us to have a personal relationship with him, to have a personal revelation of him. We can't ride on the shoulders of our parents when it comes to faith. No, we have to take our own personal steps of faith. And we can only possess the promises of God as we begin to take those personal steps. We can't just be passengers in someone else's journey of faith. We want to have our own journey of faith. We want to have our own experience. So what is it that what is it that God might be stirring in our hearts right now where we feel like we're, we're expecting God to carry us maybe, but we're being challenged. I need to take my own personal steps of faith. I need to take steps of faith that are going to make a difference in my future and take me where I've never been before. Maybe those steps of faith are in your own personal devotional life, taking time to set aside, to pray, to be with God, to experience his presence, to worship him. Maybe it's in your reading of the, the word of God, being more diligent and or in, in your time in the word of reflecting and meditating on the word of God. Maybe it's a consistency in the spiritual disciplines of being in church. Well, we can't be in church right now, but we can be in church in our homes, online, staying connected with people. Maybe it's about being relationally more, more intentional in being a positive influence, an influence of faith in the lives of other people in our world, reaching out to people who are discouraged, reaching out to people who, who need someone who can be a voice of hope and someone who can be a voice of faith, maybe looking out for those who've maybe become disconnected in, in our community and, and, and encouraging them in, in a place where people may be feeling isolated and have a tendency to be feeling even more isolated than ever before. But all, all of this requires us taking steps of faith, doing what we haven't done before, growing in ways that we haven't grown before so that we can experience the blessing of God in our lives and in our families. The third thing is this, when we take steps of faith, God makes a way for us. Um, I love this because in this story, this very graphically is described in the book of Joshua. Joshua, uh, God says to Joshua, look, the Ark of the Covenant, which belongs to the Lord of the whole earth, will lead you across the Jordan River. Now choose 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe. 
The priests will carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth. Listen to this. As soon as their feet touch the water, the flow of water will be cut off upstream and the river will stand up as a wall. When was that going to happen? As soon as their feet touched the water. That's so significant in relation to what we're talking about, taking steps of faith. The water did not stand up in a wall as they waited for that to happen. It happened as they put their feet in the water. And there's that sense where we have to take that step of faith in whatever area it may be, in our own spiritual life, in our own growth, um, in our own spiritual disciplines, relationships, etc. Taking that step of faith, when, they, when their feet touched the water, it was only then that the water stood up in a heap. And this is such a powerful example to us. It's interesting to note that when they stood, and, and, and the passage of scripture here actually talks about how the, in, 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 as we read further in that chapter, that the, the, the waters stood up in a wall just like the waters did in the crossing of the Red Sea. But there's a difference here that's very important for us to understand. When uh, God uh, parted the Red Sea, uh, Moses held up his staff and the waters parted. In this case, the people had to, the priests had to put their feet in the water. So in a sense, where God parted the sea supernaturally, he also parted the Jordan supernaturally, but he was demonstrating to the people from now on, it's not going to be the rod of Moses, which was symbolic of God's miraculous intervention. He was going to move just as miraculously, but the method was different. Now he's saying, put your feet in the water. Wherever you put your feet, I'm going to make a way for you. If you don't put your feet there, I can't make a way for you. I can only make a way where you put your feet. And I want to encourage you today. Um, I think it's easy to be passive, to stand and to watch and to wait and to hope. But where are we putting our feet? Because where we put our feet is where God will make a way. And in whatever area of our lives that may be, God wants to work supernaturally, but he's waiting for us. He's saying, come on, wherever you step, wherever you put your feet, wherever you put your faith into operation, that's where I'm going to work supernaturally. So what it, what's that mean for us? It's interesting that it says in Joshua that the, that tell the priest, God said, tell the priest who carry the Ark of the Covenant, when you reach the edge of the Jordan's waters, go and stand in the river. I want to highlight the edge. The edge, in a sense, speaks of the edge of something new. The edge of something um, maybe that we've never experienced before. The edge of something that might be, uh, that might be scary. Um, the edge of the edge of a new season, the edge of something fresh and something new. And as I said before, this relates to our own hearts, our own spiritual life and world. So often in the world we live, we, we think, oh, well, if I can just change my environment, everything will change. 
No. If we change our environment, uh, everything may change, but we're still there. And the reality is that uh, what God is looking for is that change within ourselves, that change that takes place on the inside, because it's amazing when that change takes place on the inside, it's amazing how things change on the outside. And so as we look at that, standing on the edge of, of us taking that step of faith in our own particular world, in our own particular lives, what does it look like? Well, the first thing is it's unfamiliar. Whenever you take a step of faith, it's unfamiliar. Faith is always gonna take us into the unfamiliar, the uncharted, and the unknown. And um, it's amazing that uh, we as human beings, we have a tendency to like the familiar. We like to stay within the realm of the familiar. But to take steps of faith requires that we get sometimes out of that familiar environment. I think one of the things that we can all learn through what's been taking place in the last few months with uh, our response to COVID-19 and to all that's happening in our, in our world is that we're in unfamiliar territory. And if there's one thing that we can, we can benefit from that is that it can stir our faith so that our faith can be engaged in our everyday approach to what's happening in our life and in our world. And even though it might be scary, because the second thing about faith is that faith is scary, uh, not safe. Faith is stepping into scary environments, just like the children of Israel had to, to go into the promised land. And so it, it, it is scary, but we can know that God is with us, that God will is faithful. He'll never fail us nor forsake us in all that we go through as we navigate these coming months and all the changes that are gonna be taking place and are taking place in our nation. The other thing is that, that when we step into a realm of faith, it's uncomfortable, not comfortable. So faith is unfamiliar, not familiar. Faith is scary, not safe. Uh, faith is uncomfortable, not comfortable. Um, my nephew has just written a book and it's, it's, it's very successful in the UK. And I forget how many ways it is, but let's say he's written a book on 101 ways to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. And I thought, what a great idea, what a great concept and what a great title because our natural uh, response is to always want to stay in the realm of comfort. And, and most of us are uncomfortable with the familiar. We're uncomfortable with what's scary. And human tendency is to want to stay in the realm of what's comfortable, to settle down in what's comfortable. And it's amazing that even within these unprecedented days, uh, when we first entered COVID-19 lockdown, we were all talking about how do we navigate the new normal. Now, what was the new normal is now our normal. And there is a sense that even though this is not a desired place for us all to be, there's a sense where it's easy for us to just settle down and to be comfortable with what was uncomfortable because it's now become familiar 
And, and there's a sense where our human nature in adapting to what's taken place now makes what, what was uncomfortable, comfortable. And so we need to be continually stirring ourselves up to get out of the, un, out of the comfortable realm into what's uncomfortable because faith is always going to take us into that place where we, we feel somewhat uncomfortable with what is happening around about us. We're taking new steps into a place where we've never been before. So as we conclude, I want to look at the ABC of faith, the ABC of taking steps of faith. First of all, in Joshua 1.9, we find all three things in that verse. Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Number one, be strong. Number two, be courageous. And number three, don't be dismayed. So A, be strong. How do we, how do we be strong? Well, Paul says to us, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. When we are connected to God, to his presence, to his word, when we're taking steps of faith, our faith is going to grow. We are going to become stronger. How do we grow uh, in, in our physical strength? Well, we, we, we grow by exercising our muscle. Resistance training in the gym is all about uh, picking up heavier weights, increasing the amount of resistance in our lives, which makes us stronger. And there's a spiritual truth to that, avoiding difficulty, avoiding hardship, avoiding things that, that, are, that, that require effort or require faith does not help us to grow stronger. In fact, it only causes us to, to uh, grow weaker. And, and so uh, uh, avoidance does not help us to grow in strength. We can only grow stronger as we go through it. And I'm praying that as we go through this season, that we're gonna grow stronger because we're taking those steps of faith. We're strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And because of it, there's an internal strength that's enabling us to fulfill God's purpose. So number one, be strong. And there's a good thing to say, speak to ourselves. Self-talk is so important. Look at yourself in the mirror in the morning and say, be strong. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And watch what that does on the inside of us. The second thing is be courageous. Be courageous. Whenever we go where we've never been before and to take steps of faith that we've never taken before, to walk where we've never walked before, to overcome obstacles that we've never had to face before, to confront giants that we've never confronted before, to solve problems that we've never solved before, to conquer our own fears of the unknown, it is going to require courage. Courage is not the absence of fear, but it's facing our fears. It's understanding that fear doesn't need to dominate or rule us. And that's exactly what the people of faith had to do with Joshua as they entered the promised land. I've always been fascinated by people who risked everything and were courageous enough to, 
to go where no one had ever been before. I, uh, as a young man at the age of 18, I, I traveled around the world. I took three years to travel through Africa and India and Asia to Australia where I came to know Jesus. But for the first year and a half, I traveled in Africa from Cairo in the north all the way down to South Africa. And in my journey, one of the parts of my journey was getting a paddle steamer up the Nile River from a place called Kosti, just south of Khartoum in the Sudan, down to Juba in the south of the Sudan near the Ugandan border. It was 15 days on a paddle steamer through uh, an area where there were tsetse fly and all sorts of diseases and all. It, it, was a, it was an amazing adventure at the time. But while I did that journey, while I went and was going where I've ne I'd never been before, I read a book by uh, Alan Moorhead called The White Nile. That book was written about explorers who had explored the Nile 100 to 150 years before I did it, before the, that part of Africa had been opened up to Europeans. It was a very impenetrable part of Africa. And many of them lost their lives as they explored that area of Africa. Many of them were, the National Geographic Society was, was working with a number of people who were trying to find the source of the Nile. But as I read that book, I was stirred and encouraged by all these people who risked so much to go where no one had ever been before. Um, and I was inspired by the courage that it took for them to do that. Uh, David Livingston was one of those, a very famous missionary who, who said this, I will open up a way into the interior of Africa or die. And he opened up a way for other people to come with a message of hope, a message of faith, with a message of Christianity, and was able to transform uh, that uh, part of Central Africa, which he traveled to, because he was willing to risk his life and to give everything to go where no one had ever been before. Um, I think about Christopher Columbus, who watched ships sailing over the horizon as a small boy and thought to himself, the world can't be flat, and who made a decision that he was going to sail over the horizon. He was going to go where no one had been before, and in doing so, ended up arriving in the Americas. There are so many people. I think about Neil Armstrong, who went where no one had ever been before, who was the first man to walk on the moon and with those famous words said, as he landed, one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. All of these people who had something within them to go where no one had been before. And it required courage for them to do that. And as a young man, 18 years old, I was inspired by their courage as I traversed the same terrain, but was able to do it on a paddle steamer uh, with, with a whole lot more security and safety than they did. But it, 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 it spoke to me about, and it speaks to me about faith. Faith requires courage. Faith requires us to, to, to believe there's something greater, there's something better out there that I wanna lay hold of. And I know that if I put God first, He's going to be with me every step of the way. 
and he's gonna enable me to fulfill my God-given potential. I don't wanna just sit around hoping that things will happen. I wanna do something that will make a difference. And I love what C.T. Studd said. He was one of the famous missionaries to Africa. And, and he, he said this, some like to live within the sound of church and chapel bell. I wanna run a rescue shop within a yard of hell. And he went to Africa and was a, was a, was a, a huge influence on the people of that continent through his courage to follow God and follow his calling. So first of all, be strong. Second, be, um, be courageous. Thirdly, don't be discouraged. Don't be discouraged. Do not be terrified, and this is the amplified version, don't be terrified or dismayed or intimidated, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Don't be terrified, don't be dismayed, and don't be intimidated. The word in the Hebrew for that is shathath, which literally means to be shattered or dismayed. It's so easy to become shattered, if you like, by what's happening around about us. It's so easy for us to become scared, terrified, dismayed, discouraged. But the word of God says, don't be discouraged. And God says the reason that we don't need to be discouraged is because the Lord our God is with us wherever we go. In conclusion, can I encourage you today? Let's take steps of faith in our own personal spiritual life in this coming season to go where we've never been before, knowing God's not gonna carry us, but he's promised he will be with us wherever we go. In Jesus' name, let that be our reality today. Well, I wanna take a moment at the end of this message to encourage you, if you have never taken that step of faith to accept Christ as your savior, I wanna encourage you to do that today. Jesus did everything necessary for us to be forgiven, to be given the promise of eternal life, and also to know God's presence and peace in our hearts and be reunited in a relationship with our Heavenly Father. He did all that when he died on the cross in our place. And all that we have to do is say yes. That is requires, however, a step of faith. And I want to encourage you to take that step of faith with me and say yes, I want to accept what Jesus did for me. I want to know what it is to be forgiven, to have guilt removed from my life. I want to know what it is to have a relationship with my Heavenly Father and I wanna know what my God-given purpose and destiny is. So I'm gonna pray this prayer, and I encourage you, if that's what you want, if you wanna take that step of faith, pray this with me, and I know that God's gonna meet you right where you're at, answer your prayer, and your life will never be the same again. Heavenly Father, I come to you today in the name of Jesus, and I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to forgive me a to give me a brand new start, a fresh beginning. I believe that you, Jesus, are the Son of God, that you died in my place on the cross of Calvary, and that today I receive you as my Lord and my Savior, and I believe that I will never be the same again. I thank you for a new start and a fresh beginning, and I pray that I will 
be able and empowered through your grace and your spirit to continue to follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you pray that prayer, we're so thrilled that you did. It's the most important and significant prayer that anyone could ever pray. And I, uh, we want to do everything we can to help you take the next steps. Um, our, whole our whole Christian walk is a series of steps of faith. And on the screen are a number of ways that we can connect with you or you can connect with us so that we can put some literature in your hand and help you as you take the next step into all that God has for you. We're so thrilled that you made that decision. God bless you. We're believing for great things for you. In Jesus' name. so glad that you could join us for our service today and uh, one thing I do want to share before we close is this that we are very excited about next Saturday 1st of August that we're going to have a summer evening of worship and communion here outside our church building and we want to invite you to come to that of course we're not at the moment allowed to meet inside our church building but we can meet outside. We're gonna be practicing social distancing so that it's a safe environment for you. And uh, 
you'll find details on the screen. But I want to encourage you to come. It's going to be one hour from 6 o'clock to 7 o'clock p.m. And it's a great opportunity for us to connect um, and, and to be able to, in a sense, uh, do something that uh, is going to be a step towards the time when we can come back and we can gather in our church building in an unrestricted manner. So be prayerful about that. If you have any questions, be sure to contact us on the link that is there on the screen and we will answer any questions that you have. Um, and I pray that you can join us for what I believe will be a powerful time. We will also be having, of course, a Sunday morning online service as well. This is just an opportunity for us to gather and worship together. So look forward to seeing you all then. Get the word out, let people know, invite people who would like to come. Let me pray for you as we go. Father, I pray that you would bless each and every person watching today. I pray that you would bless them, that you would cause your face to shine upon them, that you would be gracious unto them now and evermore. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Look forward to seeing you next Saturday.